Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. This is Tom Hayes in Boston, Massachusetts, talking to Rudy Garino. And Rick Dumont is with us today. Rick is the documentarian who's picked up the baton from George Wilson. And we, uh, in fact, I didn't work exclusively with him the other night, but I worked with... uh, Angela. Angela. I think you guys, uh, you almost look alike and act alike. And we had... um, But we worked with Rick on the Peaches and Herb uh, shoot and also the Jerry Maffeo shoot. And Rudy, let's start the show off right. How are you? Well, I got up, Tom. We got another day. <laughs> yes, we did. Hey, Rudy, congratulations. Your son's getting married today. Yeah, I got to get all dolled up and go to a wedding. <laughs> are you going to be wearing the tux, Rudy? Yeah, I'm going to be wearing a tux. The same oh, tux I Susanna's uh, wedding. I got okay. Hey, Rudy, we got a caller right off the shot here. Uh, I think I know who this is. I think Susanna clued me in before. Good afternoon. This is Tom Hayes. We're with uh, Back to the Sugar Shack and Rudy Garino and Rick Dumont. And who do we have? It's a 919 number. You have Deborah Friedman from North Carolina, from Durham, North Carolina. And I'm so happy to be here with you and and Rudy and and Susanna, who I've never met. Hi, Rudy. Hi, Debbie. How's everything? Oh, everything's great. I miss you. I still think of you. I'm still kicking at 87. And God bless you. I mean, yeah. I... You're a wonderful man. Rudy was one of the best bosses I ever had. Hands well, down. You know, yeah, we hear that all the time, Debbie. Do you know, I, I mean it. I really, I from the bottom of my heart, he was a wonderful man. Um, I actually knew about the Sugar Shack years ago when I was probably about 12, 13, um, I was allowed to go into a matinee performance of Bobby Blue Bland at the Sugar Shack. Well, and that, do you remember yeah. that from years ago? Yeah, the afternoon matinees for the teenagers on right. Sunday afternoon. Right. So here I was, this white Jewish girl from Brookline, we had a housekeeper who is an African-American who turned me on to soul music. So she took me there, and it was, uh, it was like a life-changing moment because I connected with the music. And it was one of the best musical venues because you could have this real personal interaction with the performer. You were right up front and personal with them. And it, it was so intimate that you really had, it wasn't just, you know, this listening to music. It was, it was a real, it was an experience. And, and to have, you know, we're, we're, 
I, I, I don't know. I just feel so lucky to have been able to experience that at such a young age. And, and when I later went to college, I was really considered a cool girl because nobody had those 45s and, 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 and people had heard about the sugar shack, but a lot of these kids have never been. And so that was my first exposure to the sugar shack. That's, That's wonderful, Deb. Have, have you ever got in touch with Henry Vara anymore? Um, you know, I my my sister in law has a boyfriend who knows Henry. And so I, you know, I haven't seen him for years. Uh, after I, I moved away and um you know, after, well, I'll, I can explain it a little bit. When I worked for Rudy, I had left Bennington College because actually I couldn't afford it. <laughs> and I was, that's when I met you, Rudy. Uh, remember, we we met at the Greek diner that was right next to Lucifer's? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot the name of that. Well, the Olympic. Was it the Olympic? That's, that's, it sounds about right. They had the best Greek salads there. And right, you were right. sitting at a table next to me. And I think maybe you recognized me or, or maybe you were sitting with Henry and Henry knew me. And you were talking about how you needed somebody to come and help you in the office during the day. And you said to me that I would be working 11 to 7. And those were perfect for, like, a girl my age, you know, for a, a, an 18-year-old who was, you know, like to go out and party and go out for breakfast in the morning and then have time to get stuff done in the morning and then go to you. And I loved those hours. So um, between Bennington and Sarah Lawrence, I worked for you. And it was, it was uh, you know, an experience that I'll always treasure. Well, that's great. That's great. <laughs> uh, it's nice to hear your voice again and all uh, that, Debbie. It's, it's wonderful to hear you. There's a couple of things I remember about uh, you, and, and I have to share this with your audience because this was very, very special to me. I had a favorite group. Do you remember my favorite group? Uh, give me a hint. <laughs> <laughs> the Dynamic Superiors. Oh, yes, the Dynamic Superiors. I love Tony Washington and the Dynamic Superiors, and you brought them to the Sugar Shack. Right on. Stop <laughs> it. You Tom, did you interview them yet? No, we'll have to do that. We'll have to put them on our list. I don't even know. Can you, uh, Debbie, what are, what are some of their songs? Um, oh, I can't think of it right now. Um, was it? They did a song named Mr. Jones, I think. Um, yeah. I'll get. I'll get them up, but but the dynamic superiors. I remember the lead singer was Tony Washington. Right. Right. And 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 you had them there to like to please me. I couldn't right. believe. It. I just thought that it was the nicest thing. 
you know, the most considerate thing a boss, like he really, you really appreciated the fact that I appreciated them. <laughs> yes, that's, you're right there, girl. You're right I there, girl. I know you have a big smile across your face and you're feeling I the warmth that. because that was a special thing to do, Rudy. I'm smiling from one ear to another. You're bringing back memories. I won't be able to sleep tonight because Tom remind me of the old days and I can't go to sleep at night thinking about it. I would swear that I always saw you with a styrofoam cup of coffee. Am I right or wrong? You are right, young lady. <laughs> you always had a styrofoam cup of coffee on your desk. And I remember when we had the Parliament Funkadelics. Oh, and ah, you, ah, do you remember I'm that? Was it the, Debbie, was it the first time that they were there? I don't no, I don't think it was the first time because you decided to make it you decided to turn it into an event. It was gonna be the Parliament Funkadelics Pea Party. <laughs> pea party. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you remember every time, that? Every time they came they had a new gimmick, the mothership, they came with the mother pea party and a funkadelic. Oh, they tore the house apart. They did tear the house apart. It was a great it was a great show. And I also remember Lamar. You remember La Lamar who worked for you? Lamar, Lamar. That rings a bell, that name. That you you had a guy he was like your man Friday. He watched the he watched the club day and night. Oh yeah, I remember that was, guy. Yeah, was yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was he was just a sweet teddy bear of a black guy. Remember, he was good as gold, and he would watch over me. That's great. That's great. I a lot of things uh, I keep forgetting, you know. And uh, I'm glad you people come on, and uh, the old folks that have been coming on. They, bring back the memories that I forget about, you know? Well, there was always a party in your office. Everyone liked to come out and hang out with you because you you had a lot of personality and you were charming and warm, and, and your place was like uh, people would gather there. Yeah, they used to come, they used to come there and... Uh... I remember the FBI telling me, how do you control these crowds and everything and all that? I said, well, I'll give them a good show. And they come to see the show, and uh, and everybody's friendly with one another and all that stuff. You didn't have, you didn't have a lot, you really didn't have problems in your clubs. Right, right. This is no, what I told Tom. Right. But the problems that are going around today... We should bring back the sugar shack to quiet everybody down because everybody doesn't seem to want to get along today. We didn't yeah. know what a, know what racism was. The word we never even heard about it in the sugar shack, right? I know, but I think it's the younger generation because I've gone to these wonderful concerts, you know, the disco con concerts with uh, Casey and the Sunshine Band and uh, 
and Gloria Gaynor and, you know, some of these older people and, 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 and some of the shows with the temptations and, and the older people, they're very mixed groups and everyone is singing along and everyone is filled with love and, and enjoying the music. And, um, I think that, you know, that's a huge turn on for people of, of my generation that love that music. Right. And I think there should be more like events like that, incorporating that. And if you have that, you know, you you have a fully integrated audience that is, you know, they're loving the music, they're loving each other, they're from the 70s, you know, and and they – it's, they just really love the music so much that everyone is singing along. It's incredible. It's incredible, is right. You know, uh, and I, we should have more yeah. events like that. Yeah. Well, that's what Rudy wants to do, um, Debbie, is he wants to put together a uh, a festival of all the major acts that performed at the shack that are still performing today. I would be happy to help. Wow, wow. Well, you know, we can... We're, I'm glad you... You know that we're making a documentary, correct? Oh, I, I don't know that, but that's great. I um, Yeah, we have uh, over almost 10 hours of uh, footage already. In fact, I'm sitting here uh, with Rick Dumont, who is the new documentarian, and um, we also have a West Coast documentarian, and uh, Jeremy, and... Uh, so we, we, we're really gearing up. We're about to put uh, a bunch of the credits on the IMDB page, which is the official film page of the world. And uh, we've had already, we've interviewed George Clinton. We've interviewed Frankie Valli. We've interviewed the uh, Cool and the Gang, the um, OJs, Tavares, uh, the Four Tops, the uh, 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 Spinners. So we've got all of that on film. I, I that is so amazing because I I love the, I love those acts. I would love to see them again. And whenever they I I have gone to a concert where they have had a lot of these acts and they're big time sellouts, but unfortunately, they never have room for dancing. Right. And, yeah, you're right. And I and I think that's a key component because I think if you were ever a if you put this together in Las Vegas, which would be a great venue, place for it, and you made like you know a disco convention and sold tickets or whatever, I mean, I I I think I know what people would like, and you know one of the things is they like to be able to sit down at a table, but they'd like to be able to get up and dance. That's what the, that's what the, one of the key points at the Sugar Shack. After right. the show, they, they were able to get up and dance, and uh, they didn't have to leave. They could have stood for the second show, and uh, that's why everybody enjoyed the club. Right, we and did. you know you just keep on selling drinks. You have food there. You have, you know, you, you have it, and you keep them there a long time, and they're, this is a big, you know, they'll, they'll come for the weekend for this. Well, Tom, uh, Tom uh, is uh, putting together the the documentary. Tom, uh, uh, 
when do you think you'll have something ready for on the documentary? I just heard from George. He's going to uh, be talking to us next week. He's going to give us uh, the contract. And right after that, once that's signed, he's going to give us the uh, footage. And uh, I'm talking to Rick, and I'm, I'm going to San Diego in October for my daughter's wedding. And my plan is, is to get Las Vegas either going out or coming back. And uh, probably going out. I'll have more energy. And uh, and to sit down with Jeremy, and hopefully Rick can come out as well, and we can sit in Jeremy's studio and start to uh, pick the places where we want to edit the films and uh, craft the story. Well, that's good. That's good. So, uh, Debbie, we'll keep you in touch. Yes, absolutely, and if you ever need any help with writing, you know that I'm very, that's my thing, so any writing, any marketing, anything to do with this, I would love to be involved, because I'm so passionate about the music and about loving you. Well, Debbie, (laughs) we're going to take you up on that, Debbie. You, uh, we just, no, seriously, we are, you can't. Debbie, are you able to build a website? Um, no, I don't, I don't do that, but I know people okay, that, that do. Well, I'm gonna, I've got somebody in mind for a website, and once that's done, yeah, we would love to have you do some social marketing, some uh, newsletters, especially if you're a writer. Uh, all hands on deck on this thing. Susanna has really picked up a lot, and uh, it would be fantastic. We're serious about this. We're not going to let you go now that you've... Uh, Volunteer. Oh, 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 absolutely. I'll, I'll help you. And um, I wanted to mention something. I don't know that if Rudy re- remembers that years ago, even before I met him, I'd been at the Swinger Lounge at the Marco Polo Hotel. <laughs> you did it. Of course I remember you there. That was uh, part of the, the combination. We, we, uh, we vacationed in the winter at the Swinger in Miami Beach. Well, you know what? You, you know what? You Wait, are I'm put the master. He, nobody knows how to throw a party like Rudy, and nobody knows how. You know, so he really knows how to put an event together, and you have good instincts. You know what people want. Right on, right on. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, and. Uh, Oh, Debbie will hey, Debbie, uh, Rudy, Susanna, Susanna's on the phone. She had the day off because of the wedding. So the first time we can welcome Susanna Garino to the podcast. Uh, this is the first podcast Hi, with Susanna. Hi, Susanna. Hi, how are you? <laughs> I'm so happy to finally hear you. I know. I was, I was sending you messages last, last night. So, yes, I'm, I'm glad that... Uh, we're able to finally speak. <laughs> How are you, Deborah? I am fine. I was just telling Rudy about all these stories and 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 how much it meant to me for him to bring in the dynamic superiors because I I love them so much. And you know what? I actually looked in the book. We have a a book uh-huh. that one of fr- one of my father's friends made of all the ads. From the Sugar Shack, and I looked in it last night when I could, when you when I read that post, and uh, I looked up, and yeah, they played quite a few times. They played like three times there. 
Right. So so I wonder, that date probably was like 1975, 1976? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I didn't, I didn't check the date. I just looked and I saw... I looked through the whole book to see, and I saw a few of the ads, which was which was nice. It was awesome. Oh, they're, they're I don't know great. what they played, but yeah, I was definitely going to try to look them up to see if uh, to see if I remember any of their songs. Because even though I'm only 34, I still love all that soul music. Though I think it's just in my blood from my dad. Oh, it's the it was the best music, and your dad knew how to get along with everyone. I mean, he really yeah. did. That, that's a testament to him because everyone kept on wanting to come back. Right. Well, you know, what... after doing some of the interviews, that's what I've heard. I've heard from quite a few of the stars, and George has told me, as, or not George, Tom has told me as well, that they just say, you know, it was like home. Coming to the Sugar Shop was like home, and Rudy treated us with respect, and we always wanted to come home is what they would right. always say Absolutely. in the interviews. Absolutely. He was so, he only wanted to make sure that all those acts were accommodated, yeah. you know, that if there were, if they had needs met and, you know, I think it was a, probably at a time where people weren't shown that much respect. Uh-huh. Right, right. So, we showed the respect. Right. So it really mattered, you know, and you were, you know, and who you were, you were so open and, if we ever could get a hold of Lamar, if you could look through your records and get a hold of Lamar, I'm sure he would be a great interview subject. So who was Lamar? Uh, Debbie, do you know his last name? I don't remember his last name, but Lamar is stuck in my head. Um, um, maybe Rudy's brother would know or uh, remember if he's, if he's still alive. Um, well, a couple of years ago. Oh, I'm yeah, sorry to hear yeah. that. Um, this maybe Jerry Maffeo might. Yeah, or Henry, or you know, I mean, Lamar was a reg. Uh, Lamar was like your, you know, he was your right hand man, your left hand man, whatever. He was always there, and he was like babysitting the Sugar Shack. Oh, nice. Right. Now he, he, there's no other way of right. He was always making sure people weren't stealing from you, that 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 the, the that any of the suppliers were greeted properly, that everything was received properly. I really can't sleep tonight. She brings back so much memories; it's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> I finally spoke to her in the late years of her life. There was really? a there was a friend of mine, a girl singer, that came to stay with me in Miami for a while. And she says, "Rudy, you know who I'm a good friend of? Who?" She says, "Eddie Lamar." Eddie Lamar. I said, "I must be lucky today." I said, "Do you know a person?" She says, "I'll get her on the phone." You will. She got her on the phone. She told her I was a great a fan of hers and everything, and I spoke to her, and I, I was one of the biggest thrills of my life came through, speaking to Eddie Lamar. Well, she was, 
not just a famous beauty and a great actress, she was also a brilliant scientist. Yeah, she was very, very intelligent, very, very intelligent girl, a lady. And a Jewish girl like me. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> so she All right, like, people. She like, oh. You know, yeah. something I always got along with the Jewish people. It was unbelievable. I had a great friend of mine. I don't know if Debbie, you remember Saul Zussman? Bindle? Saul Zussman. Yeah, he he was quite a popular guy around town. He was a liquor salesman. He worked for some of the biggest people around, and uh, he was a great friend. He used to come and stay with me in Miami. Every Saturday, we'd be slicing up hot dogs and all kinds of barbecue and everything. Well, you know, wasn't my predecessor named Bindle? Didn't I? Didn't you have the girl? The girl who worked there before me was another Jewish girl named Bindle. That's right. Uh, Bindle was Jewish, and then Karen Stein was one of the first girls. She was Jewish too. <laughs> so you must have you must have really liked the Jewish girl in the office. Well, no. Uh, what happened? I don't know. They applied for a job, and uh, uh, I guess. Uh, at the time, I hired them, and uh, they worked out pretty good. Yeah. Karen Stein was from Connecticut. They're all going to school, most of them. Bindle, to Harvard. Uh, she did two years at Harvard and dropped out. Well, you know what? I went to Bennington and Sarah Lawrence, and you know, I think you really had a talent for seeking out very sharp women. You just, you just, you know, knew how to size people up quickly. And if somebody was really smart, you just, you know, okay, I want you in my office. <laughs> You're right, you have, Debbie. You have, what the, you have what the Jews call seichel, and you have sense. Hey. You have common sense. Thank you, dear. Thank you, dear. Muzzle top. I got a few Jewish words that I still remember. Muzzle top. <laughs> I got to tell you a funny story. Um, if you remember, I don't know if you know uh, Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman. Pee Wee Herman, uh, his father was um, a flyer, a pilot, and he flew for the state of Israel. Uh, after World War II to help them gain their independence. He was part of uh, the new Israeli Air Force. And his plane, his plane ended up getting hit, and he dropped out of his parachute on Israeli soil. But they didn't know he was in it like a Jordanian plane that couldn't be identified. They didn't know whether he was an enemy or, uh, you know, a friend. And so he didn't know any Hebrew, so he started screaming, Matzah, Pesach, Noodle Kugel, Gefilte Fish, just so that they would know that he was a Jew. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. So we have a lot of memories, and I, I, I hope that they all get included in this wonderful documentary that you're putting together. 
get at some point Debbie will try to Skype you down do you remember any uh, great incident in the club with them performing or any yeah. great act other than the dynamics of Perry's or even them that uh, you thought was memorable well, like I said, the par- they, the Parliament Funkadelic Pea Party, I remember that, and that being a very, a very big deal because there was a lot of promotional stuff that got involved in that. We wanted to really make it a big event, so I remember that. Well, that didn't that come from uh, George, Debbie, didn't that come from George Clinton, who uh, would walk up to a woman and say, "I'm going to pee on you." I'm going to pee. On- it could be, it could be, but you. But all I know is that Rudy couldn't stop laughing about it. He could barely contain himself every time he brought it up. He just, he just thought it was so funny. He couldn't. Well, once at times, George, George was pretty infamous about actually standing on a chair and doing that. <laughs> no, I don't think he did that. Oh, I don't remember he did. <laughs> well, you should come out. would come out naked sometimes. <laughs> but uh, you know something, Debbie. Hang on, I got a surprise for you. You ready? Yeah. Debbie. Okay, here we go. Nice. I've got your picture hanging on the wall. You can't see When I call your name, I'm now, I'm real, I'm real, there is just, just a picture. 
Hey, Debbie, did it bring back some memories? Oh, I felt like I was 18 again. I had to get up and dance. <laughs> did you hear me snapping my fingers? <laughs> you know, what Debbie, you... what's amazing, we do this yes. once a week, and we play these songs, and we hear from people like you. And, uh, Rudy, it's like like we're still living the day, right, Rudy? We're transported back right the music means so much to all of us, and it feels like you're being transported back in time to this gentler time when when people really connected with each other and looked in each looked in each other's eyes and talked and danced and communicated and it's something you know it's a lost time. That's yeah. correct, Debbie. You're giving us still, Debbie. That's the theme of this documentary, and all of the artists talk about it. They talk about how we've lost the music, we've lost the communication. And there couldn't be a more apt time to bring this documentary to the people. It's not just, and you know, you're right, there was a time, and, and that was the sacred, the Sugar Shack was a sacred place because right. there was unrest out. I mean, I grew up in Roxbury, and there was unrest in, on the streets. There was all the problems. But once you got inside the Sugar Shack, that all disappeared. Um, right. And there was harmony. harmony. There was harmony in the music, and there was harmony in the people. And right, that's going to be our message. Yeah. This was just after the post-busing era. That's right. You that's know, right. So and James was... Brown came in, and he, right, Rudy, tell him what James Brown said about behaving. Oh, he told the audience, uh, what a wonderful job I've been doing, and that's why he came to the club to see it and uh, experience what's going on with this club. And he praised the club, and he praised uh, the people. He told the people, don't ever get out of line in this place, he said. This guy has done a lot for the black musicians and everything. Oh, he went on and on and on. In fact, when my ex-wife... We were doing the shows uh, at the Sahara Hotel, and uh, my ex-wife uh, is in the lobby, and she spots James Brown at the table gambling. So she goes up to him and tells him she's uh, my wife. He did a take. He was, Rudy Garino, where is he? Get him. Get him right now. Get him. I got to see him. I want to see him. He did a dance around the table. So my wife is all excited. She called, come right down, come right down. I said, why? James Brown is here. Oh, James Brown. And I got dressed and I came right down and he was, he couldn't stop praising me. Uh, yeah. What a wonderful time he had at the Sugar Shack. Imagine that. This is a guy that's been all over the world. And he praised you know what? You're, you're a lovable guy, and like I said, you were, you really loved the music, and you really appreciated everyone, and you respected everyone. You treated everyone with dignity and respect. And I'm sure that during those times, 
most of those artists weren't treated like you treated them in other places. Maybe you got a point there. You you probably have a point that that's when they came there, we treated them like uh, royalty, like like one one of us. We were one of us. And that's that's what I remember. But even if I don't remember the particular stories, that after 40 years, my my memory is that all that you never had problems in that club because you treated everyone with dignity and respect, and you you cared, you were warm to everyone. People that came in were very excited to see you, and they were they loved you. <laughs> and you and you could feel that, and you could feel that in the people that worked there, and the people that performed there. Yeah, yeah that's. I, yeah, I wish James Brown was alive today. He would he would be a uh, a great person to catch for for an interview for the documentary. Too bad. Rest his soul. Yeah, there were so many. There were, you know, there were there were a lot of people that would come in and just congregate there and hang out because of the energy there. It was a positive energy. It, there, there was such kindness from you, and really, so much of an effort was put into treating these acts royally and really valuing them. And that's why they kept on coming back to you. That's true. That is- you know, at one time I I told Tom uh, the agents used to all call me. I never when the club got started, I never had to call an agent. They used to call me. Right, and say- I, I seem I seem to remember that some of these groups would actually want you to represent them on the road or go beyond your your you know your job as an I, owner. I got involved with New Bird, Betty Wright, the, uh, the Lords. Right. I, I remember that. I mean, people I got, really trusted you and wanted to, knew that you were going to do right by them. Right. That's uh, even uh, my daughter when she interviewed the dude from the Four Tops. He says we would have worked there for nothing. Yeah, he there, did. <laughs> He did. He, he he said, you know, we would have worked at the sugar shack for nothing, but don't tell your father that. <laughs> I know. I know because it was so great, and we actually had a had a great location. I mean, yeah. you know, they no longer had the combat zone. That's all uh, been completely uh, gotten rid of, and you know, but that was we were on the edge of the park. And we, you know, and we were just, you know, you never had any problems, but we, we were so, adjacent to a rough area. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have a question. What, what is the combat zone? Well, the combat zone was, was an area. You explain it. It was an area in Boston that had a lot of strip parlors. A lot of uh, um, CD clubs, not you okay. know, nothing and nothing like the Sugar Shack. It was it was rough down there, oh, okay. and and they had a hard time. There was it, it, you know there was crime, but it never came up to us. 
but yeah. it was you know it's like it's like in in New York you go a few blocks and you're in a bad area you go another few blocks and you're in a great area and and um you know, we were near the theater district. We were near a lot of wonderful hotels and restaurants. It was a great location, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I, I see that on Facebook, and I, I hear people talk about it. I just never asked or just wanted to know. Yeah, it, it was it was the place that, you know, when you're an adolescent, you have to go check that out. What is this post about <laughs> yeah. that? They have the parents tell you. <laughs> they should never have told us to stay away. <laughs> yeah. Because, of course, we all had to go to the combat zone to see what that was all about. <laughs> we were, you know, Debbie, we there's, were, um, so, go ahead, go ahead, Rudy. Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead, Tom. There's so much magic to, you know, you have to understand, I've been talking about doing this, uh, not the documentary, I wanted to do a movie. You know, the, the magic of the Sugar Shack was, if you were even there once, you never forgot that experience. Well, that's, that's what I said, that first experience, seeing Bobby Bland... It was like imprinted in my memory. I will never forget how excited I was to go to that. And I think I've saw some other acts perform there. But that first time, and I was the only, uh, like, one of few white people in the entire club. Yeah. And, it, and I was, and I totally felt comfortable. Yeah, and I mean, that was the amazing thing because, you know, it was the real deal. It was a black club with black musicians. In fact, I got another surprise for you. Here we go. Let's do this. It's time for a little music.
about how nice it is to hear from Susanna about her love for the music and how much she appreciates it. And I was thinking about how um, my husband and I took my 18-year-old son, because I'm 60 with an 18-year-old son, if you can believe it, um, took him to see Al Green. Oh, nice. It was wonderful at uh, the Durham Performing Arts Center, which is, uh, you know, an incredible venue, one of the highest-grossing theaters in the in the country. And um, it was he loved it. He just loved the music. He loves Otis Redding. He loves James Brown. He's got all that that music on his um, Spotify or whatever it is that he does. But it's it's true that, you know, the, the connection, we had a real connection to the venue, to uh, the performers. Um, we moved to the music. It was a real interactive experience. It wasn't so passive like it is now. And I'd like to see us bringing it bringing it back as a way of connecting people to the music and to the experience of, you know, being, you know, in the thrall of, of the music. Well, Debbie, this is, uh, people laugh at me, but I'm dead serious. And Rick is sitting right across from me right now. We're uh, shooting for an Oscar on this. Oh yeah. This is Susanna. Hey, say hi to Susanna. How are you? I'm good. Great to hear you. Hi, I'm excellent. I'm just grooving this great music and awesome conversation. You know, so um, I was trying to say earlier, Debbie, that 
for 40 years at least, at least 40 years, I was telling all my, anybody who knew me of any, in any depth knew that I, sooner or later in a conversation I would say, you know, I want to do a movie about the Sugar Shack, but I have no idea. I'm not a filmmaker. And I didn't know the story. I, I was how to approach the story because here I was, a, a kid, a white kid growing up in Roxbury. I grew into the music by osmosis. And my first wife and I was on one of our first dates was at the Sugar Shack, and we were there every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And, you know, and so th that experience, in fact, I always tell the story that we were in Rome, and we had just toured uh, Venice and uh, Florence and did all of the Seven Wonders. And I said to my wife, she was heading home the next day, I was staying on. I said, of all the places we've seen in the world in the past few weeks or whatever, I said, what is the most, <laughs> I was a loaded question because I knew the answer, what is the most different place you've ever been to? And I didn't get the words out of my mouth, and she was already saying, the Sugar Shack. There is no place <laughs> in the world like the Sugar Shack in the world. <laughs> and no. uh, so that experience, and so here it was through a series of events that would, would seem random, but they were not, because this is a, this is truly, you know, when we tell this story, I mean, and we're going to put a slant on this, the Sugar Shack was meant to happen. Rudy didn't particularly know even what soul music was until he saw Wayne Cochran. He had no idea, and even the way that the club turned black was kind of a you know, random event, and that they hired a, a female uh, was it the Chiffons or somebody on a, on a uh, New Year's night, and the, and the place turned all black, and that was it. After that, you know, the, the club went soul, and this amazing 10 years happened that is Im imprinted on anybody, not only is in, but we're making that impression now on people. And sure. yeah, and Rick, Rick, the first time we met, we uh, again a meeting with Destiny. Uh, the original documentarian George could was sick and couldn't make it, and at the last minute, Rick answered, and we went in and interviewed Peaches and Herb, and uh, we've done a couple of shoots since, and ready to to do a bunch more. And um, so, and now I want I want to show you, uh, tell you, explain some of the magic to this, and the, some of the eerie crazy events that happened. Do you remember Sugar Shack, Lil? Excuse me? Debbie? Do I remember Sugar when Shack it was new? Sh Sugar, Sugar Shack, Shack Lil. Lil. She took... No. She took the photographs. She was no. the photograph. Uh, I think she came after you left, uh, Debbie. Yeah, because I, I don't remember her. In any case, yeah. she and Rudy reconnected after 40 years, 40-plus 40 years. And uh, we went down to see her, and it was a very emotional shoot. She was just so so grateful for her chance to to tell Rudy about her experience there. She used to tell us, she says, you know, she says, I wake up. She was 87. She says, I wake up every day, and I ask God. I thank God for letting me live another day. And I tell him <laughs> her daily prayer was, Lord, <laughs> I hope there's a sugar shack in heaven, and I hope that I can be the photographer because that was my heaven on earth, was my days at the sugar shack. And I think we all felt that way about the place. If there could be Absolutely. a sugar shack in heaven. But here's Absolutely. what was the, the weird thing is that she got a chance to look in the camera and tell Rudy how much she loved him. 
we, the, the other uh, documentary and I were crying. She was so so heart giving, and two weeks later she died. She didn't even know she had cancer at the time. She didn't know her time was limited. But she got that story out, and we got it on film. I mean, that's how precious this whole process has been. Because, because this is the kind of the Sugar Shack was the kind of place that evoked those kinds of feelings. You know, it 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 brought out the best in people. It um, it made you feel like you were part of a real community. Um, you know, you were connected to the music, you know, um, the being able to meet the performers that you liked, that's, that was a big thing back then. And you, you know, it's not that way anymore. There's a real, um, it's 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 gone. And do you remember, uh, speaking of that, the Eddie Laverde of the OJs used to walk off the stage and walk around in his white shirt, he'd be sweating. I mean, you could just, the shirt would be soaking wet, and he would be singing, I miss you more and more every day. I miss you and every day. I miss you, I miss you. I mean, I mean, he made you cry because he was feeling those emotions. And it's, he'd actually come and sit at our table and sing to us. And you're right, you're never going to have that again. Well, I do remember a lot of women going crazy, you know, <laughs> from from some of these from some of these uh, performers, you know, they all oh, and on, all moaning and crazy. <laughs> you know, I have to ask you, you said, Al, how long ago did you see Al Green? Because we didn't know that he's still performing. Oh, yes, he's still, this was this was just a couple of years ago. He's still, he's still. Oh, active. wow. We're trying yeah. to get, we're trying to get in touch him. There you go, Susanna, just look up his concert uh, tour. Absolutely. Just go on his uh, website. We had a great time. And and like I said, I've been to some of these other concerts. And all you you have these uh, an audience that is bursting to get up and dance. And they know the words to all the songs. And everyone in the audience is singing. And it doesn't matter where they're from, what high school they went to, where they went to college, what they do for a living. And it became such a beautiful equalizer, you know, because we were all part of this generation that loved this music. Yes. And I, I think it would be great to be able to, you know, um, because... Rudy was so generous in in nurturing all this talent and developing it and 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 giving them this wonderful venue that it would be so fitting for him to continue that wonderful legacy and you know be able to uh have events that you know mirror as close to the Sugar Shack experience as, you know, you can get in 2016. Well, I'm going to go...
Let's use I got to thank Al Jolson and Wayne Cochran for the soul music. Hey, <laughs> Jerry, I'm taking you there. And Tom, Tom, don't cool. think yes. about Jack Gleason. Don't talk. Tom. We, uh, Rudy, what no. we met. Now, what you have to understand, Debbie, is that after talking about this, I was led to Rudy. Well, what looks like random, but I know it's not random. I know it was destiny. That uh, we, uh, another, the first documentarian, George Wilson, and I had been talking about. He turned me on to the idea to do a documentary first, and we talked about it for almost two years, and tried to get in touch with some of the bands. We tried to figure out how we could afford to do some research. We had, we were, we were blocked. We were dead in the water. And one of my black friends called me up one day and said, "I thought you were going to do a podcast about the shack." And I said, I am. He says, well, he says, I got somebody who was there. And he put me in touch with the guy. So I did something I learned from George. I learned how to work one of the Apple apps, and I made a poster. And I put it up on, I was looking for a place to put it. And I went to the Facebook, and I looked. I said, I wonder if there's a Sugar Shack page. And lo and behold, we found Rudy and found out he was still alive. And a week after, this book about two inches thick came with all of the research already done. Uh, through another contact that Rudy had made, and we were off to the races. And, and you know, nobody can convince me that that's not a, a divine appointment. And so here we are, you know, having this beautiful meeting today, listening to great music, reconnecting, and this is the magic of what's happening. And on Sunday night, I worked with David Ruffin, Jr., with uh, um, Jackie Wilson, Jr., and with uh, Lou Rawls, Jr., but what Rudy wow. wanted me to say was, yeah, and we got them on record as how they're trying to preserve the music by continuing to perform their, their father's music. Just beautiful stuff. Well, what Rudy's talking about is Rudy kept emphasizing when we first connected how this Wayne Cochran connection was the connection that started the whole thing. And one day I was on, we had Wayne as a guest on the podcast, and I looked for something on Wayne, and there was Jackie Gleason, and he came out. It was an actual taping of one of his TV shows, and uh, he came out with all his brashness, and he's smoking a cigarette, and he says, you know, he says, I like to get out and around, you know. He says, I like to see what's new in town, and he says, one night, he says, I went to the barn, and he says, I saw this act, he says, that I'll never forget. He says, it was the, this guy who was one of the most incredible performers I've ever seen in my life. And I thought he was so special, I wanted to have him on my show. And it was, ladies and gentlemen, Wayne Cochran. <laughs> and he mirrored exactly what Rudy had said. Wayne Cochran was the, the spark that made Rudy want to bring soul music to Boston. Which is, yeah, to it. Boston was Boston was a big music city during those years. Yeah, it really right. was. It was. Yeah, it was. You had all the kids there. You had all the college kids. Had all the kids there. I used to see. I remember seeing um, um, Aerosmith at Katie's. Who? Remember, remember, Katie's. They would call it K- K- Katie's. It was oh, downstairs yeah. in the basement. That's Henry Barber's place downstairs. I think he had it in the basement there. Right. At Kenmore Square. Katie's. 
basement, and I saw um, uh, Aerosmith there. Yeah, he had a lot of great stuff. He had uh, Kenny Rogers when he was with the first edition, I think, and uh, he had Frankie Valley there. Uh, oh, nice. I think he. Huh? He had Fabian. Fabian fell in love with my sister. Oh, Fabian, yeah. Fabian there. Fabian, uh, uh, I had Fabian down in Miami, too, and uh, that's how I ended up in Vegas. Fabian's piano player ended up owning two, three hotels in Vegas. And wow. uh, we, we got friendly with him, and he invited me out to do the shows at the Sahara in 83. So I went, and I, my family followed, and uh, we did it for two years. And before you know it, I uh, I told my wife, let's go back to Miami, and she fell in love with Vegas. And uh, one thing led to another, and that's how we got a divorce over Vegas, going back to Miami. <laughs> it's a funny story. All right, kid. Debbie, it's a pleasure having you on, and I think we're going to keep in touch. Absolutely. Definitely. She's volunteered. Susanna, Debbie's volunteered to help us with marketing, newsletters, um, and anything else that we uh, need. So all hands on deck. We need lots of people for this. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. uh, Thank you. Well, Debbie, thank you so much. Oh, you Susanna, welcome. great to have you on the show. Rick, thanks for I know, being sitting here with me. Hey, that? Rick, uh, I forgot to thank you, Rick, for doing a nice job uh, picking up where George left. Oh, it's an honor, Rudy. An absolute honor. This is an amazing, <laughs> amazing situation. Thank and you again. Uh, Love you, Rudy. Uh, Love you all, and uh, let's hope we meet again. Yes. I'll see yes. <laughs> you. Okay. Long, everyone. There's a crazy little shack beyond the tracks. And everybody calls it the sugar shack. Well, it's just a coffee house made out of wood. Espresso coffee tastes mighty good. That's not the reason why I've got to get back up to that sugar shack. Oh, baby, to that sugar shack. And there's this cute little girly, she's a working there. Leotards and her feet are bare I'm gonna drink a lot of coffee Spend a little cash Make that girl love me when I put on some trash You can understand why I've gotta get back Up to that sugar shack Oh baby, to that sugar shack Yeah honey, to that sugar shack
Hello? And that's a wrap.